I don't know what's real. I don't know what's not real. Limited Capacity is a collection of six darkly amusing stories about the mysterious ways we interact with the internet and with each other. There's something going on with him. It's like an act. I don't trust him. What? You're staring at me like I should say something, but I don't really know what to do here. That's the whole name of the game. Don't talk about how the town isn't real. Do you understand? Limited Capacity. Available now on CBC Listen or wherever you get your podcasts. This is a CBC Podcast. Um, well, guys, I'm five days. To, I think today's day five. I'm about a week into Trikafta. How do you feel? Did you purge? A little bit. I had like, um, honestly, like, so look, I was prepping for like the worst of the worst. Like I, mm-hmm. you know, Bridie, Bridie's in massage school right now. So I was like, yo, you need to, I need you to like, give me like three, four massages a week, like leading up to this fucking thing. Like. Because I was expecting to be just coughing nonstop. And of course, when, that, when I do that, when I have like increased cough, um, I oftentimes throw my back out. Like my back gets fucked. Oh, wait, how long has it been now? It's been five days. Are you right? So you took it on Thursday morning? Um, Thursday morning? Yeah, something like that. Wednesday morning? Thursday, Wednesday, Wednesday morning. And so... Uh, um, but I had like this purge thing. I wasn't like coughing a bunch, but every time I did cough, I was bringing up a lot of mucus, like mm. uh, which is it was quality and not quantity. That's I don't, right. I don't believe you, because Taylor, well, have you seen Jer ever throw up phlegm? We were having this conversation the other day. Well, no, I haven't. I think <laughs> it's one of Jer's deepest insecurities, possibly. Do you, wait, do you do you know <laughs> do, do you hide I thought, it from I, us? I, I, I thought that I thought that you said that to me once. I thought that you were like, no, that you were like, since you've been a kid, am I making this shit up? I thought you had told me one time <laughs> that when you were a you kid, are. that since you were a kid, <laughs> phlegm, coughing up mucus has been something that you like really try to hide and has like persisted through. I definitely okay. So it so <laughs> there's there's a there's a hint of truth to what you're saying. I I have found ways to do it without making it obvious in front of people because it's fucking disgusting. Can you show us right. that? Like How objectively disgusting, not just disgusting to you. Yeah, but like it's just a disgusting. It's an thing. objective reality that mucus is gross. So th- yeah. this is something I think that's a certain part of your brain that and, develops and, to think that way because. I know that Taylor doesn't have that consideration for others, right? Like, absolutely like, not. Like the, the way that he cuts farts, his fucking toenails like, at the airport yes, at the gate. It, yeah, yeah, guys, exactly. Absolutely not. This I'm is, with you. <laughs> I think guys, that you just have a more developed no, brain, no, no, Jerry. Yes, yeah. that's yeah. a very specific <laughs> circumstance. How we, is that a we had been we had been, circumstance? We had been traveling. We had been traveling, and it was long travel days, and. You know when you you know when you get a lot of dirt under your nails and you, and you get really fed up. Oh, and you and let, let's talk about getting dirt under your nails, sir. You do do that. <laughs> you get lots of dirt under your nails. Most of that dirt comes from the inside of your fucking nostrils. It does, yeah, because no, no, you no. pick your nose 
in public, like it doesn't matter who the fuck's around. And then you do this thing. You ball it. <laughs> yeah, you do. You ball he it. And you're not that. thinking about it. You just do it without thinking. You just, you ball it, you ball it, and then you flick it. You flick it. You flick it indiscriminately wherever the fuck <laughs> the booger may land. Or sometimes you put it somewhere and then pick it up again later. No, yeah. no, no. Yeah, I've, I've, no, I've no. seen this one. I've seen this no, one where no. you go, you ball it, you ball it, you, you put it on the couch. <laughs> You see it. You no, look at it on no, the on the air. No, I don't. Do and then that. you continue with your day for like no. a minute or two, and then you go back to it and you pick it up and you ball it a little bit more. Like you're like you're fucking you're fucking Matthew McConaughey and Alexis, just like just fucking balling shit in your fingers. It's always boogers, dude. You know what? I I love yes. I do do that. So anyway, because I feel like I got to be vulnerable about one of my insecurities now. I guess it's just saying the word vulnerable yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's it yeah i can't speak no properly. but so so the morning so we had a recording on the morning that i was like oh i'm going through this purge uh sorry we had a recording in the afternoon and and i was thinking maybe i might not go to this i might call this recording off because through the morning i was <laughs> i just sat playing red dead redemption 2 with a garbage in front of me and oh. was just it was fucking crazy it was crazy but it wasn't what I was, it wasn't the crazy that I was thinking it was going to be. I thought it was going to be like. So far, five days in. So far, five yeah. days in. That, yeah. that could change. But uh, I think, I mean, honestly, I think th- at this, I, I think at this point, I'm kind of like, I've gone through the initial, here's my body going, whoa, what's this? Mm. Do you, do you feel better? Because you have like a bit of an aura about you. You're like, yeah, I'm, I'm not joking, Jer. I do. You're, you're kind of glowing right now. I do. So here's. Do you notice that? I don't. I do. You d- it's you know it's probably the arcade lighting. <laughs> it must me. be, yeah, yeah. Um, no, so so this is the thing, and I talked to Steph, our buddy Steph Strecko, about this. You know, he was like, he was like, look, when I took it, I he was like, I feel great, but there weren't, there wasn't a moment where I went, oh my, it was like this fucking whoa, I'm, I feel different. He was like, it was very, it came in subtle ways, and so one of the ways in which I noticed it, which was very subtle, but also in saying that it was subtle, it at the very, very, very same time, although subtle, it was very, um, there was something kind of monumental about it. So I took donut for a walk the other night and, um, it was like really beautiful. There was a beautiful sunset. And I was like, we never go up Citadel Hill. I probably never go up Citadel Hill because do an incline, like walking <laughs> incline, do walking from my condo to here, I which remember. is probably a 1% gradient. I remember when you told Maybe. us that, that it was an uphill it. walk yeah. from your condo to here. And I was like, no, what? it isn't. I, I mean, <laughs> technically, technically, a walk. It, technically it, it, it is, is, it is gradually, it is gradually, but it, but it's a very <laughs> gradual uphill walk. Like yes. it's not, it's, it's unnoticeable. When you said it was uphill, I thought I was like, you're full of shit. Yeah. Like that's totally not, but you know, a month ago, walking from the condo to here, I would get I would get here, and by the time I'm here walking in the door, I'm noticeably taxed, like mm-hmm. wi- like tr- truly winded, out of breath. Mm-hmm. So I, I whatever, I'm mindlessly walking with Donut, listening to some podcasts, and I'm like, oh, you know what? I'll, we'll go up the Citadel Hill, which for folks who don't know is like a it's a it's a, a an old fort that's like in the center of the city um overlooking the the harbor and um it's 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 a peak it's a peak of this like hill that sort of you can get a really nice vantage point of the entire city from the top <clears throat> I mean, it's a, that's that's 
that's a, that's a very steep. That's like, a steep incline. That that's a that's an incline that people, you know, people who like want to do run hills. Yeah, you know, like football teams yeah. are running up the fucking side of Citadel yeah. Hill. Yeah, like some people will go to the bottom of it and set up tents, and then you know, in early in the morning. Start summit, to embark to, to go to, to the summit. Yeah, summit yeah. It. Yeah. 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 So it's, it is truly a, a climb. And so I walked, I was listening, I was really engaged in this podcast I was listening to. And I get to the top of the hill with Donut and I stopped at a crosswalk, car came through. And as I was standing still in the crosswalk, I had this moment where I went, whoa, crazy. I'm, I'm not out of breath at all. Like I have zero. But I, I mean, my heart rate probably wasn't elevated. You know, like it was like a. Oh man, you should be wearing a heart rate monitor. I, I, man, should, yeah. really though, it would be interesting to be wearing a whoop right now. Speaking of, I have an extra one. Yeah, not an extra whoop, but an extra heart rate monitor. So, uh, so yeah, it's it's I it the 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 notice. It's subtle, but like when it hits me, I'm kind of like, huh. Mm. The other thing I've noticed is like, for the past fucking two months maybe like four or five days out of the week, I'll be up coughing at night for, you know, an hour or two before I can like get to sleep. Mm-hmm. I haven't had that once since I took the pill. Man, that's incredible. So yeah, I do. I feel good. I feel like I feel, and I think the non-drinking also at the exact same time. For sure. Like I got some energy. I'm feeling a little cl- more clear. How bummed would you be if, speaking of clear, can you <clears throat> grab me that backpack real quick? How bummed would you be if in like two weeks you went to clinic? Uh, and they were like, your lung function, it, it's your worse. end stage. Yeah, they were like, they were like, it's actually. You're going to die tomorrow. You haven't responded at all to the medication. And you were like, <laughs> oh, then it, it must have been the drinking. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, you know, what's, you know what's interesting is that if I do go to clinic and um, I, I, I could be wrong about this, but I'm pretty sure I need to maintain a 5% increase in lung function in order to stay on the drug. So for, for if I, so if, if I don't, if I don't improve by 5% and and maintain that, I don't think I can stay on the drug. Whoa, fuck. Really? I I could be wrong about that. If someone's listening to this and they're in Canada and they know letters at sickboypodcast.com, but I'm pretty sure that is the, that's one of the stipulations. Interesting. Man, that's uh that's pretty wild that like you'd have, I mean, I understand, I guess if it's not working, it's not working, but it, it seems like also, you know, just knowing well, they're that basically saying if, going, it's, if it's not working, if, it's not if, if it's not working at least that much, yeah, that's like the minimum requirement yeah. for it to be yeah. viable I get, I get for it. you to, for us to cover a $300,000 drug. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Um, it, it's, it's funny though, like the, like thinking of the power of placebo <laughs> and just like even, you know, probably yeah. even taking the drug chair, like totally. this the 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 sort of like m- the mental side of being on this drug and like all of a sudden thinking like oh fuck now like I should start feeling better so then you just yeah. start to like it'd be know, interesting will yourself to feel better because like I I wonder how quick it really does work like like how quick do do they do they tell you at all when you started taking it like I mean, oh you can expect to start seeing benefits people ahead. started I mean anecdotally people started to notice this purge thing occur within the first 24 hours. Mm-hmm. So that, that is the, that is the drug doing its thing. So, so it, like yeah, yeah, to, right, just yeah. to break it down for people who don't like understand how this drug actually works. Mm-hmm. 
my my gene, the CFTR, like my, on the genetic level, I have a um, there's like an error code, right? So my uh, my I have a genetic mutation that that presents itself in my body by um, and this is super layman's fucking like ding dong dum dum bro dumb dumb bro science way of explaining it, but my genes are broken in a way that it doesn't allow a certain process to happen at the at the like the CFTR gene level. So so this gene if it if it isn't broken in people, it allows people to like flush out um flush out mucus by allowing the cilia which is like these little finger dingle dangles inside your body that like move <laughs> move like gunk move work gunk the, along working with the didn't they, and so, didn't they think that that so, was a like the that gene mutation was uh, an evolutionary trait trait to help cholera. fight off cholera? Yeah, yeah. well, it, yeah, yeah. So it was or it, like, yeah, it was a well, genetic bro adaptation to cholera. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so 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 this drug isn't changing that broken gene. The broken gene is still there, but what the drug is doing is it's going down to like the the like protein level, and it's. It's going, all right, the gene doesn't work, but this drug will actually be able to change the way that his body, um, change the way that his body works so that it's as if the gene has been altered. And so now- Which is why it's not a cure. Exactly. It, it's, a, like a, exactly. it's like a, it's like a three quarter cure. Which is, which is also yeah. why people go through this massive purge because all of a sudden now they're, they're receiving a pill that goes in and goes- Oh fuck! Look at all this fucking mucus. Let's get this. Their cilia working. just start like like dancing, and they're like, "Oh, there's so much shit the all wavy, over us." Wacky inflatable tube band. Yeah. Like they're just going. Wacky, for, they're wacky. having a fucking. Flinging all that yep. fucking yep. shit off of them. Okay, I will say this, and then you're cleansing and all that. And I and I, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if I should say this on this podcast, but whatever. Um, I better better boners, thicker cum, N- not thicker. Okay, all right, all right. Let me let me preface with this. Stinkier. <laughs> You're laughing because it's true. It's neon. Um, no, my but so maybe like a week and a half. Well, leading up to taking track after, I was my like I was. I mean, you you guys. I don't know if you guys notice this stuff, but like, I was in a real bad way physically. Up all night coughing, coughing till I threw up like four days out of the week. Um, and, and of course, like just coming off of throwing my back out from coughing. And so like when that happens, uh, it's, it's not uncommon for me to like really lose my libido. So I wasn't feeling good in my body. Libido was like down, you know, wasn't having sex. Wasn't even like, you know, feeling the, the, the desire to like masturbate or self-pleasure myself. Like it was just zero desire for yeah. sex at all. Cause I just felt gross. So so typically when that happens or if I don't, if I don't ejaculate for a while and then I hurt and then I a little bit, no, 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 I don't get that. (laughs) But when I do ejaculate after that period of time, oftentimes there's a higher volume of cum than I'm used to. 
Yeah, dude. Like if you which wait, I think, if you which wait, probably yeah. normal, right? For other people, right? It is normal. It, it, and okay. you're swollen, a little swollen. No, 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 sw- no swelling. No, no. Yeah, if you if you wait for if, oh. if you like hold it up, you're building up like you're a building reserve. up a. Re- yeah, right. <laughs> that's that's what I just assume. And like my it's like own a personal experiment. Close the dam, <laughs> yeah, and then yeah. you open the dam. And, after it's, and it's red. Nope, I no red. I, I get like that when uh, like I lose my libido when I'm like going through a bout of depression. I'm like, yeah. I can't fucking, I can't fucking, fuck. I can't, I can't fucking even think about fucking. And it kind of stings at the tip. So. That was happening. Le- that no, no, no stinging. Oh. That was happening, leading right up to the time I took the trikafta. Took the trikafta. Two days later, libido came back up. And the first time I ejaculated, I was like, "Whoa, that's a lot of, that's like, that's a lot of cum." <laughs> and then I was like, "That's normal." You got any cum in those balls? Um, and five days in, I'm ejaculating at a pretty like consistent pace uh, daily. Nice. But the volume, yeah, the volume at this point, typically the volume would be, would be like, you know, like a little, oh, right. Yeah. It's, it'd be, it, because it would decrease. Yeah. Typically decreases. Where's all the cum? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Where's all the cum? Which is an inside joke and something that was said to me once on a date, which, which really made me laugh. But so, so, so what I'm noticing is that the, the volume hasn't, hasn't gone down. And I'm going, is that because of the trikafta? I ju- and I don't know. And I don't think I will know uh, yeah. for another like, um, week or two. What so if you are? Folks. What if you do become the first uh, first male, male recipient that that it, uh, fertility? I will be back. so pissed. Dude, I was going to I was going to say, though, the also the drinking probably plays has to play into that a bit, too. Maybe. Yeah. Into the into, I don't know, into, into maybe maybe more into the libido thing. Um, no, definitely you don't think not. So? No. Yeah. No, I don't know. I mean, I don't know. My volume decreases if uh, if there's a if there's a steady steady pit. Yeah, like when you and Kyla were like trying and trying and trying, you're just going. Yeah, by day you don't by you don't day, get any cum in those balls. By day five, I'm literally going. I really don't know. If, <laughs> yeah, I don't know if this is if anything yeah. happened. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> like I I felt it. Yeah. So that, stay tuned. That folks. makes I mean, sense. Who knows? We'll, we'll find out if the cum uh, continues this this way. <laughs> Um, it's like pulling the trigger on a gun with no bullets in it. You know, yeah. you're just like shot all the bullets. Yeah. You're out of ammo. <laughs> I'm out of ammo. Speaking of boners oh, and cum, uh, this is very interesting and also just by chance, very funny. Uh, Viagra has been associated with a reduction in Alzheimer's risk. In particular, 69% Reduction in Alzheimer's. No, risk. stop that. Not even joking. Uh, so Take, stu- just taking it. I don't understand. I don't understand. I don't understand how this could be statistically relevant for the population because old people have been taking Viagra for a really long time. Well, and Alzheimer's. We'll get into is it. Still a, a rampant. We'll we'll get into it. Issue. So so this so this is. Bear with me. This is a little bit heavy in the in the in the research jargon i can help you pronounce any uh, words I, I think i got it but okay. but it, but it, but by the end it will it it will make a lot of sense so uh, a study looking at the potential of repurposing licensed drugs for the treatment of alzheimer's disease has identified the erectile dysfunction drug uh sildenafil brand name viagra which viagra was initially a <coughs> blood pressure drug is for cardiovascular issues yes that's right so they're thinking that Viagra has a can is a candidate for a future 
um, potential treatment for Alzheimer's. So the search for drugs that can treat and symptom- geriatric fucking <laughs> and that at the same time, two birds, one stone. Mm-hmm. Um, I was I was going to make a bird joke, but we'll just leave that. Uh, <laughs> the search for drugs that can treat symptoms of Alzheimer's disease effectively has become a long and costly project. The last major advance in our understanding of this condition arguably happened prior to the 21st century with the identification of the role of the proteins tau an amyloid in the spread of Alzheimer's through the brain. So since then, there's been numerous trials that have been undertaken to test drugs based on the amyloid and tau hypothesis in patients with Alzheimer's disease. From the early 2000s until last year, all had failed. While the qualified approval of the anti-amyloid monoclonal antibody uh, drug called Aducanumab. And sorry, Aducanumab. You were doing you were doing so well. You had me like it's the stupidest the, name of a drug. That, yeah, that. Aducanumab, um, <laughs> which provides some hope that research into Alzheimer's is at least aiming in the right direction. The immense cost and serial failure is uh, of prior prior trials have led to companies and academics examining alternative routes to drug development. One of these options is based on finding already approved compounds that may be repurposed for Alzheimer's disease. So there was a new study aimed at an innovative computational drug development approach, which has identified the erectile dysfunction drug sildenafil, known to millions of men around the world as Viagra, Viagra yeah. as a compound linked to a lower risk of Alzheimer's disease. Viagra, which, is approved, which was approved in the U.S. in 1998 and patented by Pfizer, is an artificial compound that was originally designed to treat cardiovascular disease. The drug did little to treat an, uh, angina, but its unexpected and, and um, uh, enervating side effects made it a worldwide success. So they were like, we've got a drug. We think this is going to help heart disease. They put the drug out there and they're like, Sorry, this ain't doing bonus. shit for that, but it's making people rock solid. <laughs> so the new research was published in Nature Aging um, by senior author and case uh, by senior author and Case Western Reserve University professor Fiexong Cheng and his colleagues. The team built a data set of genes, RNA mo- mo- uh, molecules and proteins that had been linked to Alzheimer's disease in previous studies. This was mapped onto a vast model of the human protein intracome, which records how protein molecules relate to each other at a molecular level during biochemical activity. The model captured over 350,000 interactions spread over 17,000 different proteins. I think I'm following. Right. So I think I'm following, even though this sounds a little bit like a Rockwell automation. It is a little video. heavy, but, it, but it, again, like I said, it, it will start to make sense. When mm. does the lunar wane shaft come into play? <laughs> on so, this? so Chang's team then used this data as a canvas on which to sketch out the drug target interactions of more than 1,600 drugs already approved by the FDA. Mm. Uh, drugs were then scored with the top performing compounds having the strongest relationship to Alzheimer's disease-linked molecules. So in total, the groups had created 13 different sub-data sets, which they called endophenotype modules, based on their data. 
they looked at which of the top 100 scoring drugs interacted with more than four of the modules. They whittled down the list to 21 drugs that had also been previously investigated in Alzheimer's disease. Four of the 13 total? Uh, uh, that how much it was? They had so they, they they created thirteen data sets, and they looked at they they tried to score drugs on this data set, mm. and they looked at the top one hundred drugs in this data set that impacted at least four of them, and they whittled that that list of a one hundred down to twenty one, and then right. ran them through the Luke Gong Goblet later. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so yeah, so I get it. They're basically just they looked at all of these 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 genes that could have some type of impact. Then they threw all of these drugs at, yes. at it to test and see which ones did anything, if anything. And, and they would did score anything. each one, right? Yeah. And from the 100, they whittled it down to 21. Yeah. Um, these finalists had a huge range of approved uses. Um, examples would be the anesthetic lidocaine was featured, as did the anti-ALS drug uh, Rilazole and the muscle relaxant dantrolene. But after ruling out compounds already under investigation for Alzheimer's disease and those with insufficient patent, uh, patient data, Viagra was the only top performer left standing. Whoa. So they shed everything else and they were like, this pill, aside from the ones that have already showed some sort of potential, mm-hmm. Viagra was the top performer out of all of them. It sounds like, and I don't know if this is true, and obviously I have no expertise in this area, but it sounds almost like they're just doing like a, a massive like trial and error test to yeah. like see, hey, like we don't really understand how this works. We have some basic knowledge of like how these genes and different things interact or like, you know, it, that there might be some type of correlation between these and the progression of Alzheimer's disease. So let's just use all of these drugs, see which ones might have some type of impact. And hey, guess what? Turns out the only one that's still standing after this criteria that we've evaluated them on that's right. is Viagra. That's right. I'd be interested <laughs> to know I'd be interested to know what if they could get a like a statistically relevant sample size of Viagra users over the last 20 or 30 years and go you you know of the average population of this age to this age we usually see, you know, uh X amount per hundred individuals end up with Alzheimer's yeah. and of the population of that same age group that has been using Viagra over the last X amount of years, the you know, smaller portion of those people. Mm-hmm. That'd be really interesting. So um, to make sure that they're, so they, they went through this thing Bro called science. insurance analysis. That's real science. Uh, <laughs> they, they went through this thing called insurance analysis. So to make sure that their computational approach had some basis in real life data, the team analyzed insurance claims from 7 million Viagra users in the U.S. Prescription of uh, Viagra was associated with nine, 69% reduction in the risk of Alzheimer's diagnosis in the following Amongst six years. Amongst 420 patients? They did your... They did your t- <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. They did your test though. They they, did, but that they, was it. They, so yeah. to examine what molecular, uh, you fucking scientist, you. <laughs> then, then from there, so to examine what what molecular mechanisms might explain this, the team dosed neurons in a dish derived from the stem cells of Alzheimer's disease patients, showing that it increased the growth of neural connections and reduced the accumulation of what's called tau proteins, which again was directly linked to the reason of Alzheimer's. Hey, but and, so here's another kind of interesting thing about this is that 
most of the people who get diagnosed or most of the people who get prescribed Viagra are men. So right. out of out of all the prescriptions, only two percent of people claiming for the drug were women. Um, Why we, would women be prescribed Viagra for its yeah, original intended use? Or I think there are. So, I I I I I am such a small portion of people. Who I'm pretty pregnant. sure Viagra can be used by women for the same reasons why it would be used for men. Hmm. I'm, I, oh, I, I feel like as it, like a libido, like, does it affect, I mean, I have no idea. Does it give you a boner or does it give you stimulates your, cl- does it give uh, you uh, libido increases? Like, does it make you more, um, blood flow to the vagina? Randy. Um, let's see. Uh, can women take Viagra? The food and drug administration has not approved Viagra for use in women, but your doctor can prescribe it for off label use. Um, Viagra is a, not even going to try it. Uh, uh, maybe PDE they prescribe inhibitor inhibitor, um, yeah. which affects it's an enzyme that affects blood flow. So the potential benefits for a woman, uh, we know that in men, Viagra dilates blood vessels and increases the flow of blood to the penis. Women who take it might also have increased blood flow to the genitals that may help increase sensitivity, arousal and orgasmic function. Do you think that some of the women that it is prescribed to that claim it because they're looking at insurance claims to see who's claiming it. That's how they sure. evaluated yep. that. Or that's where they came up with the 2%. Do you think that it could be uh, a woman going in and asking for it, you know, with her doctor for her husband and the doctor's like, I'll just prescribe it to you off label. And then they bring it. I don't know. Husband, or? I'm, I'm hard to say. I mean, possibly, I don't know. I love conspiracy theories. Um, that's not a crazy conspiracy. Possible. I don't think that there's any shortage of guys out there who are going, so the the fact that that is the the fact that that plays a role in this um, is kind of kind of a an issue. Uh, Doctor Susan Kohalas, director of research at Alzheimer's Research UK, who was not involved in this study at all, said in a press release, "quote While the researchers did look at the effects of uh, sildenafil on females, there isn't enough information to be able to accurately draw conclusions about its effects in females." Uh, Kohalas also addressed the need for future experiments to back up the paper. Obviously, mm-hmm. I mean, this is like very early stages, right? She mm-hmm. said, quote, the researchers have conducted lab-based experiments to give an indication as to why the drug may increase, may impact diseases like Alzheimer's, but these early stage experiments would need follow-up in more thorough tests. Mm-hmm. However, interesting, I mean, 69%, that a is a great percentage. You guys, it, 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 it is. Have it you guys really ever is. heard of, did it, I'm not sure if I said this before, but um, uh, to you, but there, uh, Alzheimer's has been referred to also as type three diabetes. Have you heard this? No. Um, apparently there's links. So any sleuthy listeners, uh, if they want to look this up and maybe, especially if you're on Patreon and in the discord, send us an article if you can find one. But there is, uh, there was some type of articles about a link to, um, high sugar diets and, a correlation to I have Alzheimer's. heard that. And the interesting thing is anecdotally, um, past guest Julia, uh, when I was talking to her, her dad used to drink like two liter pop bottles every day. And mm. so anecdotally, which obviously <laughs> provides zero evidence, um, it, it was interesting to learn about because, you know, it, it seems to make sense. Yeah. Type three diabetes occurs when neurons in the brain become unable to respond to insulin which is essential for basic tasks, including memory and learning. 
Some researchers believe insulin deficiency is central to the cognitive decline of Alzheimer's disease. Mm. So yeah, 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 interesting. I never heard of that. Mm. Um, uh, so yeah, who knows? Boner pills might be could be uh, the next big thing in the world of Alzheimer's. There was a treatment for Alzheimer's that um, <coughs> was supposed to be revolutionary. This was in uh, I want to say it was in the summer or maybe like September or something like that. And uh, this drug was being released. And and then it was kicking up a bunch of fuss at the FDA and like a bunch of like a bunch of people at the FDA were like really, really against this drug. And now I can't remember what it was. And ivermectin. No, it wasn't ivermectin. Uh, the FDA is the FDA is pretty solid on ivermectin. <laughs> um, uh, fuck. Yeah, I can't remember what, what the deal was with it, but they were pegging it. The, the, I think it's Rush Hour 72, right? Rush Hour 72. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They were like, oh, my God, this like. This like they have some of the convenience. It's like really unregulated version of Viagra that has. <laughs> Do they have it across the street no. here? Um, <laughs> Probably. <laughs> it was something that was basically going. The company that produced it, which I can't remember which pharma company was doing it, but they were basically like, "Yo, this is going to be the this is the biggest innovation in Alzheimer's treatment since you know since sliced bread." Slice bread. It was limitless, and uh, right. and then and then it uh, it kind of fizzled out. I'd I'd like to look into that again because yeah. I know that it met some it met some uh, ire at the FDA. Are vegans actually unhealthy? Does cannabis ruin your sleep? And why are so many men taking testosterone supplements? I'm Mitch. And I'm Greg. And we're the creators of the popular YouTube channel, ASAP Science. Every week on our podcast, Side Note by ASAP Science, we explain the science behind a controversial subject with recent research, up-to-date studies, and ridiculous stories so you are entertained while, bam, simultaneously learning. We're here to make science make sense. Download Side Note by ASAP Science wherever you got your podcasts um this next story is bonkers um and i i love it uh a 3d printed capsule destined for use in assisted suicide may legally be operated in switzerland according to advice obtained by exit international the organization that developed the sarco machine now before i go into this article um, this is from SwissInfo.ch, which is like a Swiss, uh, tech website. Like a New York Posty. No, 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 no. It's more, more like, uh, more like the, the, you know, uh, the New York Times, but like the tech section. Not a, um, not as I know it says assisted suicide, but we're not supposed well, to. Well, so uh, so that's why I want to say this: that they use the word assisted suicide a lot in in this article mm. uh, that's coming out of Switzerland, and and I actually don't know if if that's the terminology that they that they just like actively use more in switzerland whereas here in canada it's, you know the the more like pc way of saying it is is um uh medical assistance med- medical assistance in dying yeah um why is that well I, I suicide has a suicide's a very stigmatized word and and comes with a lot of um like a bunch of like negativity yeah, attached negative to weight attached to it um and I because think it's, it's I not think it's a word that's very triggering for a lot of people and and su- suicide isn't it like more i mean grammatically isn't it more about like the act of taking your taking your life i mean that's um, that's the weight behind it yeah and um, it's just and i think maybe maybe more so i'm not sure if you look up the definition of suicide what it means exactly but 
um, the connotation is more, it's like, seems like a less controlled act when it, whereas medical assistance in dying is that, you know, you're going through the medical uh, system. So it's more of a, it, I guess it puts less stigma on the act of, yeah. I mean, I mean, it's, you know, they're not wrong in using the word suicide is the, is the act of ending one's life. But again, all of the baggage attached to that word, Mm. I think here in, at least here in Canada, the, the, the more friendly way of putting it is medical assistance. Yeah, I get that. There's a lot of historical, but again, in in the Swiss uh, article, they used assisted suicide. So I just want to kind of make note of that. So, uh, some 1,300 people died by assisted suicide in Switzerland in 2020. Using the services of the country's two largest assisted suicide organizations, one called Exit and another one called Dignitas. The method currently in use is ingestion of liquid sodium pentobarbital. So after taking the drug, the person will fall asleep and within two to five minutes before slipping into a deep coma followed soon afterwards by death. Sarco offers a different approach for a peaceful death without the need for controlled substances. So here is a picture of Sarco, the 3D printed death pod. Okay. Dude, that looks exactly like uh, I just watched a tech video literally right before we started recording um, for a company called Jetson. And it's basically exactly that with four propellers on it and it's a personal drone. <laughs> yeah. Dude, well, this is a personal drone right into the other side, which if would be you, more fun, honestly, to just put some propellers on that and fucking slide into I, it. When I hear how this thing works, when I saw this photo come through, <clears throat> I didn't look at the article or, or anything. I, I saw the headline yeah. and I saw the photo and, uh, and I thought, I thought, Oh wow. That's so, that's such a funny, um, it's such a funny way to like kind of portray it like as like a, like a, with this, with this, this this woman who's got you know a nice handbag on she looks very fashionable and done up and it's kind of like oh, i'm just like going out to use the like isn't this hilarious <laughs> like, like also, just also out to like, like do she's just quick... sending her last text yeah like all right yeah no, like, dude she's like it's a very the, like she's scanning the thing to do on the weekend yeah it's a there's a qr code on the wall and that's how it activates the device yeah. i mean like it actually uh, made honestly, me go dude, this makes this look too casual. Too cool. It does, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. Uh, so here's how this fucking thing works. And this is, this is, uh, so in this article, it was an interview with Dr. Philip Nietzsche, who is the founder of Australia Registered Exit International, who's behind the, the coffin-like Sarco capsule. Uh, Philip Nietzsche, Nietzsche said, it's a 3D printed capsule activated from the inside by the person intending to die. Fuck. The machine can be towed anywhere for the death. It can be in an idyllic outdoor setting or in the premises of an assisted suicide organization, for example. The person will get into the capsule and lay down. It's very comfortable. They will be asked a number of questions, and when they have answered, they may press the button inside the capsule, activating the mechanism in their own time. Fuck me. The capsule (laughs) is sitting on a piece of equipment that will flood the interior with nitrogen rapidly reducing the oxygen level to 1% from 21% in about 30 seconds. The person will feel a little disoriented, may feel slightly euphoric before they lose consciousness. Death takes place through hypoxia and hypocapnia, oxygen and carbon dioxide deprivation, respectively. There is no panic, no choking feeling, 
Um, in an environment where the oxygen is less than 1%, after losing consciousness, death would occur approximately 5 to 10 minutes later. How trippy is that? How thought? do they test it? Monkeys. A- animals, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, Probably like, monkeys. do, they, I, 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 do no. they need to test it really, though? Like, they test, well, I guess maybe it's not an monkeys. airtight thing where they know what's happening inside it. Like, Mm. And, and I think we're all per, like I think scientists are pretty aware of what happens to the human body. Yeah. I feel like they have to test it. Like I'll at least put a rat in the seat or something in the cockpit. It's interesting because I was I was watching. Um, I was telling you guys about the doc that I uh, watched last night, Fourteen Peaks. And there's a moment where he is. Uh, spoiler alert for this for this doc. Um, he is. You just literally told me to watch it right before this. And then well, this one, like, this is here's a, a spoiler alert. It's not a spoiler. It's just a good, it's just a good part in the doc. <laughs> okay. So he is on, he's on one of the mountains. So the, the premise of the documentary is that he's, you can listen. It's fine. It's, I'm not giving, if you're not going to listen, then I'm not going to say it because it makes no sense for me to. Prides <laughs> over your cover in his ears. <laughs> like, plugging hey, his ears. It's not giving it away. He's, he's on one of the peaks. And the premise of the doc is this Nepalese mountaineer who is, going to climb all the 14 8,000 meter peaks in the world in seven months, which the only person to have ever done this before did it over the course of 16 years. So um, anyway, he's on one of the peaks and they're on their way down and the sun is going down and they're like, we got to get down to the next camp before the sun goes down on their way down. They find a guy in the snow who's basically dead. And they're like, well, we can't leave him. So they start giving him oxygen. And then they're trying to radio down to the camp and go, you know, what's going on? We, we need people up here. We need some more oxygen, blah, 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 blah. There's issues with the radio. No one's coming up to give them more oxygen. The guy dies in the guy's arms. And now he's also run out of oxygen, him and his friend. And... They have been off of oxygen for 11 hours now above 8,000 meters, which is like a big no-no. You know what you need in that and in that situation? I don't know why they don't do this anyway. Why aren't they just, why aren't they climbing with a GT on their back? Uh, dude, I was thinking the you know, exact it's like, same thing. It's like shit hits the fan. They go, all right, yeah, yeah. get on the GT. Let's you're go. Right, you're right. Yes. Fucking top, yeah. like summit to base camp. I think one minute flat. Even Issue. easier, uh, like a crazy carpet. Crazy yeah. because yeah, it's yeah. lighter. Yeah. Right. You, know, you can right, wrap, right, roll right. it up in your sleeping there's pack. Te- I think there's some technical difficulties that they would run, like te- technical descent difficulties. I doubt it, but yeah. whatever. whatever. Yeah. And maybe so, technical, but maybe they just need to practice steering GTs more often. So he's walking down. He's walking down and he starts telling a story about how he is starts <laughs> hallucinating. And he knows that he's going through what's called... Um, uh, um, it was like cerebral it was like something cerebral anemia or, or, or edema it's basically like he doesn't have any oxygen left in his brain and he starts like hallucinating and everything and he's going through and he's basically describing this yeah like he's describing the experience that you would probably get in this pod where in a very rapid amount of time. Yeah, in a very pod. rapid way. Like yeah. whereas for him it's going down at a very, very yeah, slow yeah, rate yeah, where yeah. he's living his life and then all of a sudden his brain is going, man, we don't have any uh yeah. we don't have any resources left. Yeah. And mm-hmm. you're not breathing oxygen anymore. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So and um anyway, he ends up 
Well, we don't have to go there. I won't say. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, um, Dr. Philip Nietzsche was asked. So basically, the goal of this company is to demedicalize the dying process. This is very. Whoa. So this is very interesting. That's a trippy and, thing to say. Yes, it is. Yeah. And 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 probably, I mean, I, I probably, I, I would say, definitely controversial. So um, uh, Nietzsche went on to say, currently, a doctor or doctors need to be involved to prescribe the sodium pentobarbital and to confirm the person's mental capacity. We want to remove any kind of psychiatric review from the process and allow the individual to control the method themselves. Our aim is to develop an artificial intelligence screening system to establish the person's mental capacity. Naturally, there's a lot of skepticism, especially on the part of uh, psychiatrists, but our original concept idea is that the person would do an online test and receive a code to access the Sarco. <laughs> it sounds bananas. It sounds <laughs> it really does. That's the part of the article where I was like, "What?" It sounds like there there is a I don't know where this line is, but there is an ethical line in terms of accessibility for this. Well, we've covered it. We've covered it on the show yeah. at length. And I know? and I and and I you know, one of the things that we one of the things that really stuck out to me was what, like when we talked to um, what was the uh, doc's name that we spoke with? I think she, she was in Calgary. She lives the cerebral palsy. Yes. She, she lives a cerebral palsy. Heidi. Heidi, Heidi. Yes. Chance. Heidi. Yes. Chance. Yeah. Nice. Good, Good memory. And uh, and Heidi was saying was talking about like before we make it really accessible for people to do this, we need to we need to put. All, we need to put way, way more resources into all the things that are preventable that make people feel like they want to die. Yes, yes, and yeah. uh, and like aside, like and, lack of resources to provide quality of life for someone who right. might mm-hmm. not have those resources and go, well, my quality of life is shit, and yeah. and you know the government or my community isn't going to provide the services that I need to live. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know, to live. Whether my that's life. from me- mental, whether that's mental health uh, services, physical whether it's disabil- yeah. physical disability, and certainly not making death more accessible than the resources or support right. stuff that they yeah. they would need yeah. first. Which but, is, but again, there's there's yeah. two camps to this, right? There's like there's there's that side, there's that side, which I think is very valuable in a world where in a world where those resources <laughs> exist and are easily available to to somebody who wants them. Like this, like this would be, I mean, this is controversial in Canada because we don't have the resources, but I mean, it would be even more controversial in like the States where there's not even a healthcare. There has to be not only a universal healthcare system that everybody has access to, there it has to be incredibly robust and with, with basically no gaps or holes in the services and resources that somebody can access Mm -hmm. in order to make a product like this make ethical sense yeah. it's it it is wild though because like when you first read that jerry I like think. my initial reaction is like whoa you can't do that but then you like you start to think about it and you're like well you know like it would be great for you know some reasons in an ideal world but you know unfortunately we don't have these things like uh a ro- robust enough support system to prevent people from wanting to you know proceed with something like this so it it's it's funny because it's just so nuanced. Like and it seems like it just would be so bananas to think that that thing could even possibly yeah. exist. But 
Yeah. And there's something know. to be said about about something that is like really, really serious having a bunch of hoops to jump through to do it. Yeah. Because, and you know, it's like, I know that, you know, U.S. listeners, you may or may not agree with this, but the, the, the hoops that we need to jump through, at least here in Canada, to get a gun is like, you know, those exist because, like, if you really want a gun, then, like, like jump through the hoops mm-hmm. that we've created if you really want it. It's like you know, the same, like, like if, if people in the States want to understand what it's like, it's like imagine the hoops that exist for people to get abortions in the States. It's just like that, right? Like, like they can't imagine the hoops because they think like when it comes to guns, they're like, oh, well, we don't need hoops to jump through, yet they put them on people who are trying to get abortions, which is fucking crazy. So, yeah. yeah. So, uh, yeah, I don't, do you I, I think I get what you mean. Yeah, I'm, uh, so what, what I'm saying is because you're saying that you can't like they they can't imagine the hoops to jump through, but like, but they can because they put them on people who are trying to get abortions, which is fucking crazy, right? But I mean, there but there are but there those those exist anyway for for those exist still with 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 abortions even and and even here, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Like it's not like I, I don't I don't think it's as it's as simple as going like show up at the clinic and like just like get me in like there's 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 a conversation between people who want to get abortion, and like and that's not although that might that might make people feel a little shitty you know it's probably it's probably not the worst thing in the world to have somebody have a conversation with somebody before they make a big decision like that yeah but there's a big difference between that and what we're seeing in texas oh yes like like those are yes well very much so very stark yeah and, yeah, yeah. and 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 very unfortunate um uh, yeah. So a- anyway, this is just a- the other crazy thing about this. There's only two that exist and a third is being 3d printed. That's the other thing. This whole thing is 3d printed that we didn't even really touch on, but like it's a 3d printed capsule. 3d you know? printing is, um, Fucking wild. You know, they're, they're, you know, they're, they're starting to do, you know, industrial strength. Dude, there's stuff. 3d printing rockets. Do you, do you guys think that like, there's a point where, you know, these people like they made this 3d printed capsule that like, you know, can, create maybe a, an easier or better way for people to go through with medical assistance and dying, which is great. But then like the, the founder and creators started to get like a little bit crazy with like, we can make it so accessible. Like, you know, people can print this on their own 3d printers and they just, they just you know, they'll them. just go and do a survey on our website. It does. And they, they just put one on the street, like every street corner. Where it's like, it just, does like, it does raise the question of like overdoing the tech solutions to, Right. Ending your yeah. life. Like yeah. it's yeah. like it, it, it's just, it's, it goes back to how accessible yeah. is too accessible. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Like right, these people want to end their lives because they're starved of human connection, but instead of giving them human connection to, you know, give them that, right. just send, them belonging, ocu- send them an Oculus. Yeah, but, but again, but no, again, just let them 3d print their own yeah, death yeah. pod. Uh, but, but again, there are people that, there are people that do require medical assistance in death. For sure, and, yeah, and that will yeah. go through with that. And and I, I'm not gonna lie, when I saw this, although there, you know, I, I read this and I went, oh, that's fucking crazy. Um, but I, but you know, looking at this photo and just thinking about pl- like plopping that thing, God, she on, makes it look so, I know, it's so, so attractive. I, like, <laughs> like taking that thing and putting it on like a bluff over the ocean, 
and laying in that thing and like letting that be the last thing. Like, that, yeah, but dude, who's going to come and are you going to hire a truck to come and pick it up once you're gone? Well, yeah, somebody I mean, is. Some, yeah, someone is. <laughs> but, Not you. But, you don't got to deal with it. But you know yeah. what? Honestly, what it should be, the base should be a cremator. And honestly, when, you, when you're done and it should be reusable. So that when you're I'm done, sure it's reusable. Uh, uh, oh, I didn't. I didn't. I didn't flash. I don't think that's a one. I didn't finish. Use. Flaps so, just open up and it just burns your body, and then uh, it's hook, you hook it up to like a vacuum hose, and it just sucks all the ashes in. It, well, it's not quite that. So what it so once once the whole process is over, uh, it you get shrink wrapped in, in like a heartbeat. I can't tell if you're joking or not. No, I'm just. <laughs> it I'm was just hard to it. tell there. Um, uh, <laughs> it, speaking of crazy, speaking of crazy stories in the future and tech. Uh, last, uh, last week or the week before we talked about those nanobots that they, that, that are, that were being worked on to, did um, we talk about that? Yeah, we did. And they, they, yeah, they were, they soaked crabble. them in iodine or, or ion, like ion based oh, water. Oh, right. Oh, sorry. Yes, yes, yes. So there's a, there was a new thing that came out in the news, uh, just this week that are about, so those were, comp- those, those things we talked about, those nanobots a, a little while ago. Those were 3D printed or 4D printed nanobots. So nanobots made out of a silicone that react to their environment. And then the reaction in the environment causes them to, you know, do their job, open up so that they can release the shape shift. Yeah. Shape shift and release the medicine. These xenobots that are being worked on right Fuck now, me. <laughs> a little bit different and way fucking crazier. So these living robots, I'm going to play a video right here. These living robots made of frog cells can now reproduce. Okay. 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 Oh, Before you yeah. go any further with this, are we going to watch this video? Wait, wait, I mean, we can, we can talk over it. So what is, so I saw this on, I don't know, Jerry News or something like that. And I saw it come up and it was like robots reproduce, but then it was like these organisms made of frog cells. And I'm going, why? And maybe it's telling me right now. Um, how are, Things that are made out of organic organic material so, that are made out of frog cells. How are they robots? So xenobots straddle an unusual line between living organisms and robots. They are organisms because they're made of stem cells and can reproduce. But they're also robots because they can move on their own and perform physical labor. Dude, they are cyborg organisms. Exactly. And although most robots are made of metal... Um, uh, robots are, are defined not by their material, but what they can do. So what sets these guys apart from <clears throat> those? So they can be controlled <laughs> or, or oh, this is how they're testing or, or they can be not controlled and just do to just automate, but then, Pro- just be wouldn't programmed. That, but then wouldn't the program that be of organism then? Uh, not necessarily. No, because these things are. They're not, they're not living organisms. They're made from bi- biological material, mm-hmm. but they're not organisms that are, that are like living. Like a, it, like it, 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 it sort of reminds me of a virus, right? Like viruses are at least, you know, the, 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 the school of thought is that viruses are not alive, yet they're, they're also not dead. They are these things that operate, that have like a, an agenda that try to reproduce and try to survive, but they're also not living beings. The coronavirus is not a living thing, mm-hmm. yet it is a thing that replicates and morphs and has a job to do and, and 
kind of sticks to that job. God, I'm so sick. Of but it's but it's not alive, right? <laughs> so so these robots are are. Uh, they're not even robots, but they're they, but they, but, they, but, but they, they, they are alive. So, the, so, so, so they're alive and they can re- reproduce. So, this is not a sequel to the Terminator. Is somebody telling them what to do? No, that's the thing that no one's telling these things what to do. But they've uh, been, they've been programmed. Well, that's what that's a form of telling them what to do. They, yeah, they've been built in a way that it's going to, um, it's going to achieve a goal based on the way that they built these things. So, but so have GMO crops. Well, right? here, let, 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 let me get through this. So, yeah. so, um, crops. uh, <laughs> this is the result of research showing a microscopic life form made of frog stem cells that can self-replicate in a way not seen in other animals or plants. So they replicate in no way that we've seen before. These xenobots named after the African frog, uh, Xenopus levi, which, uh, from which they are made. So they, they took the, the, they took the cells from this type of frog and that's how they made them could already move around, display collective behavior and heal themselves. A study released Monday suggests that the cell clumps also can be engineered to sustain themselves for at least five generations. Uh, quote, there's nothing theoretical that would stop us from making these out of human cells, says Sam Kriegman, an author of the study published by the Journal of Proceedings of the National Academy of Sciences. Do you guys have a sneaky suspicion that like we're all we're all fucked? No, no. I, so it's, <laughs> no, I I think so. So the reason this I'm would just be not in that camp ever. The, I am <laughs> the, the the reason this would be beneficial to humans is that if we could make this, if we could do this exact same thing with human cells, then we can make these robots fight the bad robots that are self-reproducing too and <laughs> no yeah so we could like make them so that they battle. can exist within us without our body going reject like our, right. if we take if we take nano metal like metal nanobots and put them in our body our body goes no i yeah, like right. I, I don't want that in here right flush okay. this fucker yeah. out take this human biological stem cell based robot and put it in the body the body goes yeah this this is this is part of me this is part of me this is cool mm-hmm. and the robots do their fucking thing so what is the what is the preliminary intended use? So the exact same intended use for what we covered a couple of weeks Cancer ago. Cancer treatments. Exactly. So so this kind of potential of of it being human cells is far is far in the future. Um uh he said that this guy said that xenobots are not yet able to uh, yet n- not yet usable but could lead to technology capable of corralling microplastic from the ocean into retrievable ball or delivering medicine to a specific spot in a person's body. So there's lots of different applications for this. Uh, frog stem cell research changes what we know about how organisms are built. The finding that xenobots can reproduce is the latest result of research that began in 2018 among biologists and computer scientists at Tufts, Harvard, and the University of Vermont. The researchers took stem cells from the skin of frog embryos, put them in salt water, where they clump them together into, into spheres with a layer of cilia, which are akin to small hairs and enable the organisms to move. The scientists noticed that the xenobots were swimming around randomly and would spontaneously make piles out of particles placed in the dish, like dye or silicone-coated iron beads. One of the biologists started to wonder whether the tiny robots could do the same thing with individual stem cells, so he drew up a test, and the experiment worked. I get it. So the reason why they're robots or xenobots is because 
they've taken these pieces that traditionally aren't together and basically assembled them together or like put them together so that they started interacting with one another or combining so they in use, a way that they otherwise yes, wouldn't. So that's, that's right. why they're like manufactured. Exactly. And right. the way that they came to figure that out was through um, basically like AI and computational software where the AI went, if you took these things and you, and you manufactured them in these shapes, they will likely, um, they will likely follow this procedure. Mm-hmm. They will right, likely they model. They just did a bunch of modeling. Exactly. And, yeah, yeah. yeah. And which, which was, they were kind of showing that in that video there. Um, but so, so I, I want to play, I want to play this clip. This might get pulled from YouTube, but it reminded me again, back to your point, Brian, of like, are we all fucked? It reminded me of one of my favorite scenes from one of my favorite movies. All vertebrate embryos are inherently female anyway. They just require an extra hormone given at the right developmental stage to make them male. We simply deny them that. Deny them that? John, the kind of control you're attempting is, uh, it's not possible. Listen, if there's one thing the history of evolution has taught us, it's that life will not be contained. Life breaks free, it expands to new territories, and it crashes through barriers painfully, maybe even dangerously, but, uh, well, there it is. There it is. You're implying that a group composed entirely of female animals will breed? No, I'm, I'm simply saying that life uh, finds a way. Life finds a way. Dude, how great is Jeff Goldblum? So good. <laughs> ah, so of good. course. Life does find a way. Um, so <laughs> it, to the point of how they manufactured these things or engineered them, knowing that xenobot shapes affect their behavior the computer scientists ran algorithms to figure out which form could help the organism replicate repeatedly. They discovered that a C-shape resembling a Pac-Man um, seemed to be the best. And one of the biologists used microsurgical tools to carve the xenobots into that design. Holy they made fuck. these little Pac-Mans. As the algorithms predicted, the Pac-Man-shaped xenobots gathered individual stem cells into clusters, which became xenobots of their own. So they didn't like, they made these things like, Oh, this is interesting. These things like react and they do these things. And then a computer was like, turn them into Pac-Man see what happens. <laughs> and the, the guy was like, oh, okay, listen to the computer and he cut it into Pac-Man. And then the Pac-Man went and they made more. See, this is why, this is why life finds a way. Dude. This is why artificial intelligence is fucked and can't be trusted because I've been watching these two minute paper videos and it's showing how AI goes off script all the time. And so like this time, AI is like, hey, turn them into Pac-Man. Yeah. See what happens. And it and something cool happens. Yes. Next time, the AI is like, turn them into little serial killers that will take yeah, over that's the right. entire that's human right. race. And then the next thing we know, we're all dead. Right, it's an existential crisis. Yeah. But, but so here, so here is a here is why this could benefit us, right? The researchers hope that the xenobots can help them better understand the process of replication a fundamental property of life, and how to control it. So faced with a world full of self-replicating problems, such as the novel coronavirus, uh, Kriegman said studying xenobots could help lead scientists closer to solutions for things like that. Man, you're going to be able to ask like an artificial intelligence to basically solve whatever problem you have in like 10 or 20 years, and it will will do it. Yeah. That sounds like a pretty cool world. Yeah. That doesn't really sound like a world where we're all dead, does it, Brian? But uh, there's a chance. <laughs> Didn't you listen to anything Goldblum said? Yeah, it's it's 
you know, 10 to 20 years, it's great. 40 years when it's like, all right, I'm fucking sick and tired of these humans yeah. asking me what to do all the time. Eh, you know what it'll be? It'll just be another, it'll just, the climate crisis will be solved and this will just be the new climate crisis that they're whining about for like 50 yeah. more years and then they'll solve that. And then it'll be another problem and they'll be like, oh, this is, everyone's going to die if we don't do this. And everyone will be like, well, we don't really see it. It happens so slowly. And then it'll be another thing and they'll solve it and blah, blah, blah. Uh, so on and so forth like until the end of fucking humanity. Because Which of will be in about 40 years. Because of a fucking asteroid that hits the Earth. No, no, no robots. <laughs> um, so uh, instead of uh, what the hell this week, I figured we could wrap up this week's episode with, with what I would like to try to incorporate as a new segment on the show. Oh, fuck. Uh, called Ding Dong of the Week. All right, so is it one of the three of us every week? <laughs> no, no, no. It, that was a, is that in honor of Tiller becoming a dad? Because that is like the daddiest segment. Ding dong of the week. Well, ding dong. well, we'll see. We'll see. Uh, built a few, built a couple doors on the week, over the weekend. <laughs> so I'm, I'm going to lay out. Picked two, up a couple toys at Home Depot. <laughs> I'm going to lay out two scenarios that happened in the news this week, and uh, uh, two ding dongs um, that that showed up in the news this week in the world of health. And you guys choose who is the winner of Ding Dong of the Week. Okay? Sure. I, I like this. All right. Yeah. So the first, uh, the first one, um, an Italian man wore a silicone arm in an attempt to obtain a vaccine card without actually getting the shot. I saw that. The Guardian reports. The incident occurred in the northwest region of Italy a week after the nation began requiring proof of vaccination or proof of recovery to enter train stations, restaurants, gyms, and other indoor spaces. The nurse at the vaccination site told the Italian newspaper La Repubblica that she was prepared to administer the shot, but noticed the patient's flesh felt rubbery and cold. She says she asked him to roll up his sleeve further and found that the prosthetic did not match his skin tone. He now reportedly faces fraud charges. <laughs> I mean, do you idiot. need to charge the guy? Like, I don't know, man. Like, he's, Sorry, he's already facing a lot of fucking <laughs> embarrassment. Um, uh, so that's, that's ding dong number one. Ding dong number two. A surgeon in Austria has been fined after amputating the wrong leg of a patient earlier this year. Ooh. The elderly patient's right leg was removed instead of his left. Oh, fuck. With, this, with the mistake only discovered two days later during a routine bandage change. The patient was told he would have to have his other leg amputated as well. Ah! On Wednesday, the court in Linz found the 43-year-old doctor guilty of gross negligence and fined her. Guess how much she was fined for lopping off someone's leg? $1,000. That's crazy. Well, I mean, I'm sure she'll be sued. Probably some ramifications. She'll be sued to her job. Heavily. Yeah. Um, Yeah, she probably has some type of like errors and emissions insurance though. I'm gonna That's go. What we called it in real estate. The, the widow. <laughs> sure the widow called that. The widow of the patient, the patient who died before the case came to court, was also awarded um, five thousand euros. This is all in euros. So, so the doctor was charged two thousand seven hundred euros. The widow was awarded five thousand euros in damage. Wait. So the person who had their they wrong died. leg, he, he, did. he di- did. he die soon did, after? I don't know. Didn't say. Yeah. I, did, I, did, I didn't put that. Much Probably not as it. a result of it, or else everything would have been. It would have been much, much yeah. Um, I'm gonna go ding dong of the week. I'm going with the guy with the arm because the the, the surgeon thing. Yeah. That's a that's like that seems out of ding dong territory it's for human, me. I human was, error. I was gonna say yeah. the exact same thing. And human error. It's a big fucking. It's a big oopsie. Yeah. It's a, bu- it's a, a big oopsie. It's a big oopsie. Yeah. I mean, with the person 
<laughs> using the fake arm. I mean, you can almost hear someone in the background going ding dong. Like yeah. you can hear it. Yeah. It's happening while he's doing it. <laughs> no doubt. There's a couple of those ding dongs here in Halifax, you know, like for sure. Yeah. That had that. So sound of like, there's oh, somebody yeah. heard that and went, Hmm. That's not, not a bad, bad idea. idea. <laughs> yeah. Dude, wearing a fake arm. God, that is like, I just don't understand how you think you could get away with that. Like, You'd have to have a really good. Imagine he brings a fucking mannequin arm with him. This hard, <laughs> hard like it. <laughs> fucking like porcelain arm. Just think about how like big the prosthetic would have to be. It would just be so dis- disproportionate. Where that, do you like, think he got it? Yeah, I don't. Do, like, no do you think he idea. was like he he like works for like film? Who He's knows? like she finds like a prop, you know, a prop arm. What a fascinating uh, thing! That yeah. is the ding dong of the week. Well, ding dong of the week, Italian man. You were awarded this week's ding dong of the week. Hopefully, we can find more of those. And if you want to send us uh, examples of ding dongs in the world of health and health sciences, you can send them to uh, letters at sickboypodcast Or, of course, if you're one of our patrons, you can um, Tell us drop that in the Discord because, uh, of course, there's lots of good content <clears throat> from our patrons coming into the Discord, and we really appreciate all of you for it. Brian, I'm sure you've you've done you've done it already. By now, it's you've done it already. But if you could get a, a good like ding dong ding dong sound, <laughs> yeah, to drop in, yeah, that'd be and great. Use that for the new uh, segment. Yeah. yeah, ding dong of the week, yeah, ding dong. Um, uh, <laughs> that's folks. it. That's just, <laughs> I'm just gonna cut you doing that now. Layer, layer back. <laughs> uh, folks, thanks for tuning in. We, we really appreciate all of you. Um, and uh, we appreciate our patrons the most. But uh, for the rest of you, if you want to uh, do us a favor, you can leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or you can hit the follow button on Spotify. And of course, every Friday we're doing these episodes on YouTube. So you can head over there to watch the content, see the videos we're putting up and uh, leave a comment below. And of course, hit the subscribe button uh, so that you are part of the community over here. Subscribe. Um, and of course, uh, Mondays and Wednesdays, we're coming at you with episodes and Fridays as, as well. So uh, we're, we're glad you're along this journey with us and uh, we really appreciate each and every one of you. Mm-hmm. And like Jer said, uh, if you've got, uh, if, if you want to get in touch, if you've got a cool story to share uh, or thoughts on the show or some like really legitimate criticism, you can send it to letters at sickboypodcast.com. And if you want to be on the show, you can go to sickboypodcast.com slash contact and fill out the guest form and a huge thanks as always to the people who make this show happen thanks to our manager jeff lonis uh thanks to donovan the meerkat c pat morgan for yeah. the sound design on uh on our monday episodes uh thanks Spoon jared fit. thanks rich o'coin for the theme music thanks take part for the theme music on mondays uh we couldn't do this without you guys that is it for this week i'm brian i'm taylor and i'm jeremy and this is sick work For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.